Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk real business with real gym owners. I'm your host, Katie, and today I'm here with Chelsea Greenwood, owner of CrossFit Buckrow Beach in Hampton, Virginia. How's it going, Chelsea? It's going great. It's sunny and beautiful here. I hope it's just as nice there for you too. Oh, wow. Well, I, I'm up in Connecticut and it's not, it's not so bad right now, but it's supposed to snow like three to six inches overnight. <laughs> so I'm not, not super looking forward to that, but, but, oh, well, um, you know, it's, it's January. What can you do? So, um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. I'm, I'm super excited to chat about CrossFit Buckrow Beach. So let's hop right into it. Tell us a little bit about CrossFit Buckrow Beach and what kind of services do you guys offer? Awesome. Well, we opened in 2019, March um, 1st, to be exact. Um, we uh, are about 1,200 square feet of indoor space and about 2,500 square feet of outdoor space. Um, and we are a CrossFit gym that prides ourselves in um, all fitness levels. We do predominantly group classes with um, mixed fitness levels. There's not, we don't, there's no separation of, um, you know, the really athletic athlete versus the person who's extremely deconditioned and, and struggling through a weight loss journey. Uh, we put everybody in the same class. Our classes are small. They average anywhere between eight uh, to 15. There's always at least one instructor on hand. And we really just love the fact that there's no um, separation in our gym from the elite level athlete to the six-year-old woman who's crushing her bench press or trying to get her first pull-up. So that's... Um, that's a lot of fun that we have in there. We're very community driven. We have a teens and a kids class. Um, and so, you know, my oldest member just turned 72. My youngest member is uh, four. <laughs> so we have a lot um, that to offer for everybody, nutrition, counseling, and everything in our gym is all inclusive. So membership covers all of that. Um, and we love it. We're open seven days a week. Awesome. Sounds amazing. Um, you know, obviously like we talked about on the air, I'm a total sucker for CrossFit, but just kind of the group fitness in general, you know, it's, it's fun. It's high energy. There's a lot of camaraderie and, you know, CrossFit itself is infinitely scalable as we discussed. And you are totally right. Those older women are always crushing the bench press. Like when I worked at the gym, we had a lady just like that too. And I'm like, dang girl, like, how do you do that? So that's awesome. Um, okay, cool. So I'm, I'm excited to dig into what you guys are doing a little bit more. But um, first, give us a, a little bit of a background on how CrossFit Buckrow Beach came to be and how you knew it was the right time for you to go into business for yourself. Um, well, that's a great question and a story that I love to tell. Um, so I never played sports. I never was athletic. I actually managed restaurants and bars before um, I got into fitness um, and I had three kids in 18 months, a set of twins. Um, and they were, the twins were six months old and my son had just turned two. And my dad had been recently diagnosed with colon cancer at 50. Um, and so <laughs> in a matter of 47 days, he went from diagnosis, healthy, um, moving around, doing well to going home on hospice and passing away. And then the week that he passed, um, my mom, 
who had been divorced from my dad for 25 years. Um, she had an aneurysm and a stroke that same week. They ended up two hospital rooms down from each other in the ICU. Um, and I just paced the hallways, you know, being an only child um, from both parents, I just paced the hallways and I was like, gosh, I, I, I cannot live thinking that I might've lived half my life already. Um, they were both so young. And I started to really take a dive and, and think about my own health and my own well-being and, and how if my parents had done the same, how they might still have a, a life and a better quality of life at that. Um, so um, after, you know, I went, I put my mom in assisted living and I buried my father. Um, I went home and I immediately just fell in this deep stage of depression, exhausted, you know, trying to work three kids at home and diapers. Um, and went to my primary care doctor and the first thing he said was you know here's some xanax uh take it twice a day um and it'll get you through your depression and my husband was like how are you gonna breastfeed and work and and be sleep deprived and and take xanax like this isn't gonna work um and you know it's not gonna get to the root of the issue so being the awesome spouse he was he found a local crossfit gym and he signed me up so he was like, well, she'll never stick with this, but uh, <laughs> let's see how it goes. And I remember when I started, I couldn't do a push-up. I couldn't do a push-up. Uh, jumping rope was a struggle. I wasn't coordinated. Um, but I instantly fell in love with how great I felt after I worked out. Um, and it was so much of a better stress reliever than um, anything I'd ever experienced. I no longer um, needed to treat my situational depression with an anti-anxiety medication at that point, it was, I was able to relieve my stress through getting healthier and putting my own health and well-being first, which as a mom is a real struggle. Um, I remember walking into the gym, I had one kid, you know, that just could barely walk and I had two infant carriers. And it took me two trips to get to the gym with a diaper bag, but I did it. And I did it for the first year so much that I loved it and I got my CrossFit level one. And then after that, my level two, and then I just, I got to a point where um, I couldn't afford my lifestyle in the gym and take all the classes. So then I started meal prepping out of my home to cover the cost of my gym membership and to be able to quit my part-time job uh, and stay home with my kids. Um, and after about three years of that, I just looked at my husband and um, the gym that I was at at the time was just a much different experience than what um, I have currently built at Buckrow. Very big, very Globo style, um, constantly a revolving door of lots and lots of members, lots of injuries. And I was like, you know, this just isn't my vision. What if I open my own gym? And my husband, being the awesome spouse he was, was like, yeah, let's do it. So we looked for a year for a location um, and it was the hardest thing. Finding a good spot is everything. And I met this woman and she had this broken down convenience store that was just outside of the beach. Um, and she was like, well, you could put a gym here. And I looked at her and I said, lady, there's no way we could put a gym here. Just not possible. Yeah. And she's like, no, I think you could do it no credit background check, no deposit, no nothing. It's January one. And this woman just throws me the keys. Um, <clears throat> and I was like, Oh my God, you know, I, I, I can't do, I, how am I going to do this? How are we going to do this? We don't have the money to do this. And so within, you know, a matter of, um, January to March, 
Uh, I had to go out and seek a uh, silent investor because banks don't loan money to small businesses unless you're established. And uh, um, funny as it was, I actually found uh, somebody who I had no idea was related um, to a great friend of mine, an old high school friend. Um, and I had just reached out to them uh, previously and asked, hey, can we do a fundraiser? I, his son had his younger son had cancer and I was just tugged at my heart and I said, hey, if we ever open up a gym, we should do a fundraiser. Turned out all of those points led me to the right person who um, just rolled the dice on me and um, helped me get started and helped us get all the equipment we needed. Um, so between January, when I had the keys tossed on my front porch and March, my husband transformed this terribly rough and dive convenience store into what is now such an awesome place for so many people. Um, and within the first 30 days, we had our first 50 members. Um, wow. It was quick. People just loved it. Uh, it was it was contagious because they'd walk in and they would instantly build these great relationships. And that's just been our focus. Our focus has been the community, the people. Um, and, you know, I don't want to just be a gym where people go to work out. I want to be the best hour of your day. The one thing um, that you look forward to after a rough and grueling work day. Um, and I want to be more than just a gym. I, I want to see people progress um, in other ways through their mental health, nutrition, um, their home life. And I think that it's all related. And that's been our main focus. And that's how we got started. It's a pretty awesome story. I love to tell it. And I'm, I'm very thankful that you brought me on to share it with everyone. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I really appreciate you, you know, opening up, telling us that story. I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about your parents, first of all. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's so cool to hear how you, you took that situation and, and turned it around for yourself. Like, that's, that's amazing. Um, so, you know, obviously, like you said, you opened up March of 2019, as we know, uh, a year later, <laughs> we all literally get hit a year, it was a year and 14 days later. Yeah, yeah, we, we get hit with this pandemic, everything shuts down. Um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, how that affected your business and what kind of things you did to stay afloat during that time. So I will never forget um, just thinking like, this is not going to happen. There's no way they're going to make us close. Like just, just huh. and I just kept thinking this will never happen. And then it finally happened. Um, and I brought my laptop into the gym and I went uh, on a Facebook live page, um, just fighting back the tears um, and just looking at all of my members watching from the live feed and me saying, you know, Hey, I'm really sorry, but I don't have a choice. Um, I'm forced to close. And um, I was heartbroken. And I looked at my husband and I was like, we're going to lose everything. We're going to lose our home. We're going to lose, you know, our dreams and everything. And again, him being the, the spouse that he is, he was like, you know, suck it up, buttercup. We're going to make this work. <laughs> and the first thing he did was um, go and um, buy concrete. <laughs> he went, he got our members together on like a Saturday or a Sunday when everything was closed. And he was like, guys, come out in a mask and help me dig. And all of probably 20 people, they all took turns so that we weren't gathering in more than a group of 12, 
and they would come out for an hour at a time and they would help us shovel um, to pour the concrete foundation for our outdoor area. Um, and it took about uh, three days. Uh, it's a pretty, pretty large piece of concrete. And um, we did, we poured it. And then unfortunately there was another uh, local gym that went out of business, a wonderful guy named Roman. And uh, he was heartbroken. He had, you know, had to close down his gym. And he said, look, I have to be out of this space and I have this awesome rig. If you want it, you can come and get it. And, and this happened like that. So I made my husband, you know, stop working. And uh, another coach of mine actually went and they, um, they took down this massive rig and they brought it back and they then put it up at Buckrow. And uh, long story short, I mean, we had a fully functional outdoor area, but um, the ways that we sustained in the meantime was um, we started, at first we started allowing members to check out equipment. Mm -hmm. As long as they didn't have, as, cancel their membership, they were allowed to check out three pieces of equipment uh, per week. Um, and I remember sitting in my gym and bawling my eyes out because it was completely empty. <laughs> Right. Um, and all, all the members had equipment to take home. And that was a huge leap of faith because I'm sure you guys know people are rough on stuff. You know, some stuff did come back, not in the best of condition, but for the most part, people were great. They took good care of our things. And, um, after that happened, uh, I had another member shout out to Matt Brown, who has been one of our biggest supporters. Um, he actually pulled together with a few other members and they put together a pot and said, hey, if anyone loses their job or anyone can't afford their gym membership, we wanna cover it. Um, and again, just eyes filled with tears, like, wow, you know, what an awesome community, what, what just an amazing um, human being that would right. be compassionate enough to look out for others that way. Um, and thankfully, we only had one person at that time <clears throat> who did lose their job and canceled and the members pulled together and paid for her gym membership. So wow. it was pretty awesome. She's a single mom of two and, um, yeah, it was great. Uh, the next thing that we did was we did outdoor workouts on the beach and we would just bring um, like one dumbbell. Everybody would just get one dumbbell. We would all spread out like 10 feet apart. Everyone wore masks and we would do um, bring our boom box on the beach. Even when it was cold, a couple times actually we got rained out and we didn't care. We just kept working out anyway. And it was awesome. It was great. Um, and we would <clears throat> offer those outdoor classes on the beach probably once to twice a week. And then we would do um, online classes with the equipment they checked out about three times a day. We did a 5 a.m., a noon, and like a 6.30. And I will share with you a good portion of our um, members are in the healthcare community. And I can't tell you how many of them literally thanked us like we were their saving grace because their job was so exhausting and so stressful. And they had that one thing to look forward to at the end of a hard day of, you know, people dying from COVID and, and, you know, not being able to be around family and friends. Um, so it was beautiful. Uh, the other thing we did was we did drive-bys where we would um, leave fit aids on their front porch with a little note that said, hey, we miss you in the gym. Can't wait to have you back. Thanks for still supporting us. And then the the best thing we ever did that was so fun was we drew a name out of a hat like once every two weeks and we would take equipment that was left and we would drive it over to a member's house. Um, we'd bring a whiteboard, we'd bring our clock and our timer and our music and, you know, we would get families because we have family gym memberships at our gym 
moms, dads, um, and kids. And we would set up a workout in front of their yard and uh, social distance and allow the, the families to work out together and have that coached class facilitated in their front yard. Um, and it was awesome. It was just the focus of we're all struggling through this pandemic. Um, we're mental health is like the biggest crisis right now. And we were just trying to be um, the biggest support for those folks, um, not even just ourselves, but our community that was struggling to get through this extremely hard time. Um, and yeah, it was, it was great. It was, it was awesome to see that we took a terrible situation and turned it into a positive um, to get through it as a community. Yeah, definitely. It's funny because I was going to actually say the exact same thing. I think you guys came up with some some really cool, really creative ways to to kind of keep things going. Sounds like you have a pretty awesome community behind you. You're great. Um, so, yeah. So now that we know all of that, I do want to switch things up, get a little more tactical in talking about what you're doing in the business right now. Um, so what types of things are you currently doing to get people interested in joining the facility? So we do a friends and family day um, the first Friday of every month. We have one coming up this Friday, tomorrow. Um, and what we do is we offer uh, a free class to anybody in the community, no matter where they're at, um, to come in with a friend and try it. Um, and the hardest part for me being a CrossFit gym is the stigmatism behind CrossFit. Everybody thinks of these like massive sweaty men, um, you know, throwing around heavy weight. And then as soon as they walk in the door, you can almost see this and they walk in and they're like, oh my God, she's 70. If she can do it, I can do it. Right. And then they're like, oh, wow, that seven year old woman is outlifting me. <laughs> How long have you been here? <laughs> um, so that is one of the things that we do. I always joke with my members and I say the first rule of CrossFit is to talk about CrossFit. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we do a lot of different social media marketing um, and posts. We try not to make it about um, CrossFit. We try to make it about everyday life and relatable things. Um, recently, like my 64-year-old member, um, you know, came to me. Her goal was to get a pull-up. And so my uh, one of my last social media marketing posts was, hey, this is Janet. She's in her 60s. And when she came to me, she was like, I'm too old for this. And I was like, mm -mm, no, you're not. And now she's bench pressing, you know, half her body weight and she's doing strength classes to get that pull up. Um, we do a lot of community based events. We did trunk or treating outside. Our members decorated their trunks. Um, anything we can do just to reach out to the community and show them, hey, we're normal people and we're just crazy about getting everybody healthy and making your life better. Um, my business model is that CrossFit Buckrow Beach is dedicated to improving your quality of life. Not packing on lots of muscle per se, if that's your goal, we'll get you there. But our focus is how can we make your life better? Um, and that's just not always related with a barbell. It's any way we can do it and we're gonna do it and we're gonna do great at it. So that's just been my focus, um, being sincere, being empathetic and trying to reach out to the community in all different ways to show them, hey, this is what we're all about. Yeah, very cool. It sounds like you, you know, pretty ha pretty much have all that organic marketing side of things pretty locked down. Have you ever done, in addition to that, any sort of paid advertisements? 
I have done paid advertising through, um, so we're, we're huge military, um, which is why we've had a, a struggle this last quarter. Um, we do a paid marketing um, campaign through the military. So when an, anybody moves into this area, they have an app where um, we're gonna pop up, they're gonna see um, Cross at Bucker Beach, our staff, our services and so forth. I do a lot of Instagram, Facebook. I sponsor little league teams, um, swim teams, things of that nature, anything that's local in the community. Um, because I tend to see that if I have one person on the little kids baseball team who's a mom and she's like, hey, oh, I do CrossFit at CrossFit Booker Beach and she shares about her positive experience, um, you know, it's worth it. You know, it's mm -hmm. so worth it. She'll she'll bring in five other people and they love it. So it works out great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, cool. So it looks like, you know, membership wise, you guys are sitting, you know, just shy of 90 right now. Um, you know, is that a number that you're comfortable with? Are you hoping to grow that membership base to, to a certain number? Do you have a number in mind? So I recently met with another CrossFit owner um, from Spain. And she had shared with me that, you know, I looked at her and I was like, oh gosh, you know, my space is only, you know, 1800 square feet. And she's like, well, our space is just as small and we have over 250 members. And I was like, wow, how do you do it? And she's like, we get creative. Um, but I will share with you, um, last July, we had 147 members. Right now we have 87. Mm -hmm. So that is a huge decrease in membership. Um, a big part of what caused that was when COVID uh, restrictions were released, people started to travel again. Um, and also all of our military presence were then relocated. So we lost probably in a matter of, I don't know, I'd say six to eight weeks, um, about 20 to 30 military memberships. Wow. Um, and then in, in addition to that, there are those folks who were like, hey, now I can travel or, you know, now I'm not teleworking anymore. I'm going back in the office. And so people were just really struggling with how do I make the gym a priority now when I have to go back to normal life and I have to figure out how to, you know, restart over life as normal after this pandemic. And so since July, we have taken a huge, huge hit. Um, in the last six weeks, we've started to pick back up. Um, I think we have 12 people um, in, our, in our introductory course as far as January goes. And this, this month, next month, and especially March tends to be our growing season um, where we're able to pick back uh, up on memberships that we've lost. So that's been my driving focus right now, that and, and keeping and maintaining the relationships that we've built at Cross at Buckrow Beach, our retention rate is really high. Um, and 90% of the people who pay to come to our gym come at least three days a week. So um, they're paying, they're coming, they're loving it. Um, and our locals are staying, but our military presence has taken a huge hit. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that totally, totally makes sense. It sounds like, you know, once, once you get someone there, they stick. It's just a matter of, you know, getting some new faces in the door for you guys right now. 
All right, cool. So, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about your sales process. Walk us through what happens from the time when someone says like, hey, I'm potentially interested in joining the gym until you get them signed up for, you know, whatever your new client offer is. So we have a really different approach. Um, there's only one other CrossFit gym in Hampton, and it's completely different from us. Um, we're small. They're huge. They're 15,000 square feet. Um, they've got 25 people in a class, so it's a much different experience. Uh, they're very, very sales-driven, right? Like, beat down your door, call you 110 times, then follow up by driving by your house. Uh, and that's just not our style. Uh, I have found that that turns people away more so than um, gets good membership. So what we do is we offer one free class where we let um, folks come in and we let them try it out. Um, and then we offer an introductory course. Uh, the uh, second, I'm sorry, the first January, uh, the first Tuesday and Thursday of every month. Um, and it's a one hour class twice that week where we go over all of our foundational movements. We also will work through um, an assessment with clients and members too to see um, do they have any previous injuries? Do they have any physical limitations? Um, is there a mobility um, issue before we can have them go overhead? And then we write down what their top three goals are. In addition to that, we have a nutrition counseling uh, session that we offer once a month open to all of our members, but also especially in that introductory period. So it's um, $150 for the two classes, the nutrition counseling and uh, the full month of CrossFit Unlimited with yoga and our stretch and chill class. Um, and so when we get them into that, uh, we'll have We'll assign them a member that goes to the class they frequent the most, just someone that's been with us for a while, and we follow up with them. But in addition to that, the member, the OG, that's what we call them, they will follow up then with the new person and just say, hey, what time are you coming in today? How are you liking everything? Are you struggling? So it's not just a sales pitch. It's a, um, a genuine concern from their community member like, hey, you know, how are you, um, how are you getting adjusted to this? And is there anything that I can do to help support you in this journey? Because fitness is a journey. It doesn't, we didn't get out of shape overnight and we're not going to get back in shape overnight. So um, that's our step process. And then after the 30 days, we give them the choice between a three, six or 12 month commitment. We don't do month to month at our gym because our um, coaching is so hands-on and so one-on-one. -on -one. If you don't show up, I'm calling you myself, not, not an automated message. Um, so you're really going to get a lot of personal attention. And whenever somebody joins my staff and I actually go over that client together as a team and say, Hey, you know, this is Kara. Kara has had a knee replacement, um, former volleyball player. And, uh, she, struggles with shoulder uh, issues and she's trying to lose 60 pounds. So we go over all of those things together. So when that member or client walks in the door, it's not, who are you? It's, hey, Kara, so great to finally meet you. Um, I know that your goal is to lose weight and that you have a previous knee injury. So I've already come up with um, progressions in today's workout and modifications to help strengthen that knee and prevent you from further injury. And that's how we attack it. Just like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, cool. Um, all right. So I did want to dig into um, your membership options a little bit more. I know you said there's three, six, 12 months. Um, you know, if you could tell us a little bit about, you know, what the price points are for that and what kind of, I think, a thing that a lot of people would like to know, um, especially aspiring gym owners is, you know, how, how you came up with those price points, you know, um, you know, what the thought process was with that. Um, and then what, well, you know, I don't want to throw too much at you here, but, um, and then also, you know, are people paying upfront for the whole duration or is that split, you know, over a few months? So those are great questions. Um, I really am glad that you asked that because if we're if we're reaching out right now to other gym owners, I would love to share a couple of experiences um, that I think if you haven't hit already, you're going to hit and no one told me about it. <laughs> so um, the first thing I did when I first opened was discount the crap out of my services because I was so hungry to have a gym full of members. Um, you know, and I got burned and really I had to take a step back and say, are my services worth this or am I worth more than this? And I'm discounting myself to where I'm not going to be profitable in my time frame. And so um, I quickly looked around to other gyms to see what their services uh, service fees were. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, okay, well, these gyms have twice as much square feet, square footage. Um, and they're not going to get the personal attention there that they're going to get here. Uh, our classes are capped, right? And the demand is high. So when the demand is high, um, the price goes up. And so uh, my membership is about, I think, $15 higher per month for my 12-month membership for um, compared to my competitors. Uh, most gyms in this area are going to fluctuate between $139 to $149 per month for um, a 12-month contract. I charge $159 a month. Um, I do not allow discounts unless they're paid in full because I can't tell you as a gym owner how many times a person will talk you out of your underwear. <laughs> right. But um, And then they get into the membership and three months later, their card gets declined and they don't answer your call. You got to send right. them to collections. If you send them to collections, you may or you may not get reimbursed right. for it. Um, and then there's a time aspect to it. So uh, what I do is... I would highly suggest that whatever system you use for billing, you do not accept credit cards. You do ACH transfers because the processing fees are less. Um, and in addition to that, banks are more likely to allow an ACH transfer to go through and then charge the customer a fee versus a credit card, which can be declined just because a person um, canceled their card on you. It happens. So um, my 12 month membership is 159. Um, I do take 10% off if they pay uh, it in full for six months or 12 months. There are no refunds, no exceptions. Um, the um, six month membership is 179 per month right now. And my uh, three month membership is 199 right now. And again, my business model is different. Everything's all inclusive. Some places are gonna charge you less, but then you've got your nutrition counseling that's separate. You know, oh, I want to get my macros done. This is this. So mine is all inclusive. Um, and um, the other thing I do require is a 30 day notice to cancel. So because we have such a huge military presence, I don't offer the military discount unless they pay in full. 
However, they can sign up for 12 months. If they get orders, they just have to give me a 30-day notice um, and a copy of their orders to leave, and we let them out of their contract. So um, I just, I really have to preach the value behind my product because of the cost difference. But again, people who come to my gym that have been to other gyms are like, oh my God, I wish I would have found this sooner because it's night and day. Uh, the instruction time and so forth. Um, what was the other question you asked that I missed? No, I think you hit everything. I think really, yeah, the last thing that I had just asked was, you know, if, if people are paying for those commitments upfront or if it's, you know, split over however many months. So, so you answered that one for me. Um, so perfect. Yeah, that's, that's super cool. I, I really like that. I'm general, you know, I'm a very big fan of people charging what they're worth because as as you found out it's it's super easy to discount to you know offer all these promotions things like that but then that's going to attract the kind of people that like cheap stuff you know <laughs> yeah and I tell them I'm like you're gonna get what you pay for here and that's why we do that introductory month so my biggest selling point is give me 30 days give me 30 days at a discounted price uh, of 150, it's $10 less. And I promise you, if you give me that 30 days, you will see the value in the product. And, and I tell them, I'm like, if you sign up for a gym membership for three months, you're just getting into the progress part right there. You're not going to see massive results in a month. I mean, you might, you may, but the longevity behind it to create the healthy habit and to continue the progress takes at least three months. So that's another big selling point that I that I say to my customers too. The one thing I would tell other aspiring gym owners though, is, um, you know, aside from that, you're going to get a lot of people who are going to try to pause their memberships. And I do post um, all of my contract and it's in bold. They have to initial it and it's posted at my front desk that, um, you have to turn in that 30 day notice. Um, and in my contract, it says you may, may pause your membership. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I've seen with COVID, um, you know, and it's the younger generation, they'll, they'll, I had somebody the other day that messaged me and was like, Hey, I got COVID and now I'm just really worried about COVID. So I want to pause my membership until the pandemic, um, dies down. You know, and this person works at a bar and I'm thinking to myself, that's an excuse. You know, it's not a legitimate concern. If somebody comes to me and they're autoimmune compromised, I'm going to be sympathetic and I'm going to be like, what can I do to keep you safe? But when you have people like that, and I will tell you right now, if you're just now getting into this industry, you get burned, you get burned so many times. And then Instagram pops up and you see this person out partying and you're like, mm, it's not that you can't afford your gym membership. It's that it's not a priority for you anymore. So stick to your guns. Um, your contract is there for a reason. If you don't have a contract, you should have a contract um, because it protects you. Um, and it, and it, you know, it allows me to know what my staffing uh, capabilities are based on my numbers for the upcoming month. That 30 day notice is key. Someone can cancel, but I still have 30 days to adjust my staffing hours based on my, my growth. So, um, those are some suggestions that I would make um, that and uh, invest, invest in yourself and invest in the members who know your worth and um, value you. And, and I do, I have, I have my 20 to 30 solid people that have been with me since day one 
And when they text me, I, I put down everything and, and, and I go right to them um, and I follow up. So I think that those relationships are, you know, a dime a dozen, like you're just never going to find them, you know, I mean, I'm not a dime a dozen, but you're just never going to find people that care that much about you. And when you do, you hold on to them. So, um, and they'll be your biggest support and your biggest fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. I, I love that advice for sure. Um, okay, cool. So we know, you know, how you're attracting people to the gym, how you sign them up, how you guys kind of execute your, your core offering of the group classes, but let's touch on, you know, what else you may or may not be doing to add more value for your clients. I know you mentioned that you guys do offer nutrition services, um, but do you offer anything, you know, as far as online coaching still, um, supplement sales, apparel sales, things like that. So we do a large portion of um, uh, merchandise sales and products and apparel. And I will tell any aspiring gym owner that that is key because you cannot rely solely on gym memberships. You've got to have uh, other sources of revenue, personal training. um, Just make sure you find the right person for that. uh, That's going to retain that client. Um, and then also in addition to that, uh, t-shirt sales, you know, of course, before the pandemic, now it's really hard to get certain brands and certain, um, items in, but the markup on them is significant. Uh, and as long as you can budget a certain amount for, um, can, you know, purchasing, and then you can show that you're able to, um, make up that, uh, cost. My, my rule is about 50%. So I know general marketing and or general businesses look for a 30% markup, but I typically try to shoot for 50% across the board. So obviously not all products are going to be that significant of a markup, but my rule of thumb is, is that all the products add up to a 50% um, increase. So that way I know it may take me one to two weeks to sell just to break even. And then anything else the rest of the month that's sold is additional revenue and it really does add up. Um, the other thing that we do is I'm a firm believer that, you know, you hear the whole story of uh, sell a person a fish, they eat for a week, teach them how to fish, they eat for the rest of their lives. So I do uh, nutrition and meal prep counseling actually in my home. So again, not, not everyone can do that, but I do a quarterly uh, class for my members. I only take 10. Um, and I charge, you know, $30. They, they all bring a pound of lean protein, a pound uh, or um, a one large serving or five to six servings of a vegetable of their choice and a non-starchy carb. And so, uh, and then they bring five meal containers. And so I teach them how to save money on their grocery bill. And I will show them how to do that in a way that pays for their gym membership. So again, I'm adding value to what I can offer my, my clients and my members Um, Like, oh, wow, the gym is so worth it. Look how much money we're saving on our grocery bill. And then I also teach them how to cut their meal prep time from an entire Sunday afternoon to one and a half, like an hour and a half. Literally, if I can feed a family of five on 160 bucks for five days, I can teach anybody to do it. And and I've had to do it, you know, especially during the pandemic with the wave and the the ups and the downs of being a business owner. But um, So I think them seeing that um, and seeing again, I'm human, right? Um, And then this is how 
I have overcome my own set of misfortunes from time to time. But I do that. We also do in-body scans. I did not purchase an in-body machine. They're like $6,000. It takes you forever to pay them off. So I rent one. Um, and again, my markup is 50% on what the cost is to rent it. So I automatically know I'm renting it um, every quarter for one week at a time, and I'm doubling the cost of the scan. So there's no loss there. There's only room for me because I'm charged per scan. So I'm only making profit. And the only thing that's costing me is my time, um, which to me, that makes it worth it. You can knock it out on a Saturday and get 20 people on the in-body machine. So um, that's a great way that we um, can increase our revenue to uh, the personal training is another good one. And I do uh, additional things outside of personal training too. I do uh, almost like a physical therapy approach with my clients. So I'm not a physical therapist. I don't, you know, advertise myself as one. But when I have clients that come to me that have seen a physical therapist, their first complaint is, well, physical therapy is not working. Why? So the number one thing I see is, is that they give them the sheet of paper with all these exercises and say, here, go do these. How do you know you're doing them right? So I offer personal training with a physical therapy approach. And I say, okay, bring me your stuff and we'll go over it together. Um, and so, and, and then in turn with that, that knowledge and that injury, I'm educating myself more on how to deal with injuries, but I also share it with my staff. So my staff know, hey, Susie just had uh, a rotator surgery. So her physical therapist wants her to work on X, Y, and Z. We implement it in her warm-up. So Susie just did her PT, and she didn't even realize it. And she did it with a bunch of other people who are like, oh, hi, Susie, we missed you. Glad to have you back. Let's get you back on track. So those are just some things that we've done that have really, really helped. Um, we bring Santa in. <laughs> uh every christmas uh except for this past year right. um and we um do like you know twenty dollars you get a picture with santa um and then you know put that we put that money back into the kids program um we have a swing set outside for the kids and a trampoline so every uh six months we do like a court like a a yearly donation where members can put into the pot and we will decide what we want to spend on as far as things for the kids that they can do actively versus just sitting in front of a TV screen. So um, those are just some of the things that we do um, that we really enjoy. Sublet, if you can sublet your space, even a small room, um, a good massage therapist will keep your clients so happy and healthy <laughs> and prevent injuries. Um, so I think that that is a huge, huge uh, resource that every gym owner should have. Um, but those are just some of the many ways that we've helped uh, increase our sales. Yeah, very cool. That that all sounds awesome. I I love it when gyms, um, you know, let people bring their kids. That was that was a big thing for me. Um, you know, when I started because that's a huge barrier sometimes for a lot of people to get into the gym is just not having childcare. So very cool. And then, you know what, I was like, I need someone like you to teach me how to meal prep in like an hour and a half, because that is one I thing. Do it. Yeah. I was like, that is one thing that I've never managed to lock down. Like I can, you know, as, as far as like what foods to make macros, things like that, I can do that all, but it takes me forever. <laughs> well, I have my kids actually help. 
So, um, yeah, so, and they, and it's, it turns into like a, a family thing. So it's fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that would, that, that helps a lot. Um, and I think again, adding value, but touching back on the childcare thing, we don't actually offer childcare. The cool thing about having a small space is that we have a designated area for the kids, both mm -hmm. inside and outside. Um, so that the kids and the parents can see each other throughout the entire class. We have a uh, one rule, the, the black mat is lava. So they know they're, they know they're allowed to go in the foyer. Uh, they raise their hand if they have to use the bathroom. Um, and I cannot tell you how many times I have had the privilege of coaching wearing a baby. Um, and, and the moms really love it because they see, you know, Hey, um, I have my baby safe right in front of me. Um, and this is a person who's had multiple kids herself and, um, just wants to help me and, and help me get back on track. Um, a great thing too is a good physical therapist because postpartum um, recovery is much greater than what folks really think it is. Mm -hmm. And you can do, long story short, I actually made my um, ab abdominal wall separation worse after my pregnancy oh, by right. working out. And everybody's like, do sit-ups, do sit-ups. Well, I was ripping my yeah. abdominal wall worse. So I had to go in and um, uh, do PT, but now, after that experience, it's taught me, you know, the military, they get six free weeks of physical therapy for pelvic floor wow. and for, yeah. So I'm always like, hey, get your wife into physical therapy. And then once she gets through that, bring her to me and we'll get her on track. So it's a good resource to have too. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. I, um, it's funny because my ex-husband is Navy and I had three kids while we were married and had that Navy insurance. And I did not know any of that. that... Nobody, nobody knows. You're like, Oh, you're supposed yeah. to have babies. You don't need physical therapy. I'm like, dude, I carried 12 pounds of child in my stomach. It, it, it's not the same afterwards. Yeah. That would have been amazing after so that you're not, you know, worried about peeing a little bit every time you try to do double unders. <laughs> and it's, it's a real thing. It's a real thing that, that people so worse. Yeah. Yeah. People are so afraid to talk about it, but in cultivating that environment in any gym where even my husbands that are in the gym will laugh like, yeah, oh honey, guess what? It's double under day. Yeah. But those are real problems. And if you have a really good PT or you have the knowledge, you can actually help people um, get past them. So I think it's great. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, okay, cool. So we are winding down on time here a little bit. Um, so before we go, I do just have one final question for you. Obviously, we talked some about how you guys got started, talked about you know, a bunch about what you're doing right now, but I want to quickly just kind of hear from you what your goals are for the gym for the next year or two. Do you guys have any plans, projects, things you're working on? What What's next on the horizon? Well, um, to be honest with you, I really wanted to open a second location. Uh, the hard part for me is cloning myself. Um, so I quickly found that as I removed my presence from my gym, I was unable to um, duplicate myself um, and, and provide the quality of service as I had before. My main goal is to uh, exceed the number that we were at last July um, and to really make my facility like no other. Uh, you look in California and they've got all these awesome outdoor gyms. I want that in Hampton, Virginia. So I really want to focus on um, the outside appearance of my place, um, growing my membership, 
And then I'd really like to be able to do pop-ups where I can go into schools and, um, you know, city buildings and, and teach people what we preach and what we teach at CrossFit Buckrow Beach, and then hopefully lead them back into our doors. So those are the two goals that I have. I'd really, really love um, to cultivate staff that have the same values and the same um, passion for changing people's lives like I do. Um, and that's and that's a hard goal. It really is, mm-hmm. um, especially in today's world, nobody wants to work. Um, right. So as a gym owner, you know, most people, it's, it's treated like a hobby. And so finding reliable staff or staff that are going to treat your clients like you will um, without, you know, overdoing it yourself is pretty challenging. But that's been my goal for this past quarter um, to get that 87 back to 125 um, and then to create retention, not see a revolving door. Um, I want to see people that are going to stay and, and see the value in what we have to offer um, and just have fun. So perfect. Awesome. Well, yeah, I love that. Sounds like, you know, big things are on the horizon for you guys. So that's amazing. Um, so it looks like we are out of time here. Thank you so, so much for being here with us today, Chelsea. Um, so before we go for all of our listeners out there, what's your website? Where can we find you guys on social media? Awesome. So, uh, we are, uh, www.crossfitbuckrowbeach.com. Pretty easy to remember, uh, social media, CrossFit Buckrow Beach on both Instagram and Facebook. Um, and, uh, we are getting ready to start a TikTok, but we haven't done that yet. So, um, but thank you so much for having us. I really enjoyed this time and, and I look forward to seeing other gym owners, you know, be successful and hopefully my past experiences can help others make better decisions and, and thrive. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think so. I, you definitely shared a lot of, a lot of good tips and tricks with us today. Um, so for all of our listeners out there, thank you for spending some time with us today as well. We hope you found some value in my conversation with Chelsea here. If you'd like to hear more, be sure to click the subscribe button. And if you'd like to be featured on the podcast, on the podcast, click the link in the description, fill out the form, and a member of the team will be in touch as soon as possible. This has been another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. We'll see you on the other side. Gym Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to fitness pros who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, Travis Wisbrocker from Crow River CrossFit in Delano, Minnesota. How are you doing today, sir? Doing good today, Dominic. I am excited to have you here. Let's jump right in. Tell us about Pro River CrossFit, what you're all about. All right. Well, Pro River CrossFit's the gym that we started about in 2008. Um, it started out as just a small family gym uh, in our garage, in our small town. It's slowly grown and expanded to uh, the 10 or 12, sorry, 12,000 square foot facility we're in now. 
we have a wide variety of class options that we do. Um, kettlebells, CrossFit, we do a lot of youth training, martial arts, and then personal training. So a little, little bit of something for everyone. And it evolved from originally a kettlebell gym and then into a CrossFit affiliate. That was the progression. Yeah, it started out as all kettlebells. It's kind of what we saw the best results in when we first started getting into training. Um, and then at some point we started doing CrossFit and decided it would be a good addition. Absolutely. I can see where that transition could come and obviously still a lot of kettlebell involvement in CrossFit. Uh, I actually spoke to a CrossFit gym owner not too long ago who, who only does kettlebells. Like he's a kettlebells only CrossFit gym. So there's lots of, lots of love between those two communities for sure. So you guys have been in business. So we're talking about between pre-affiliation and affiliation uh, going on 13 plus years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it doesn't feel like that. <laughs> yeah. When you say it out loud, it's like, wow, that is, that is quite a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, it started up when I was in high school, so I guess it's been that long. <laughs> there, there you go. So, so where you guys are now, you are in this, uh, you know, very large facility. You have several different offerings as far as different trainings uh, and things go and, you know, room to grow, obviously continue to serve the community, help as many people as you can be active, get fit, chase, chase whatever goals they have. So um, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, operations and kind of how you handle um, different aspects of the client journey. And, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's try to dig in and find some of the things that you've done to, to stay around, you know, for this long, obviously a lot of things going right. So uh, I always like to start at the beginning, right? No, you can't help anybody if they don't know about you. So where do you guys start from the marketing side of things? How do you get people to know Crow River CrossFit exists? We've got a bunch of different ways we can help you um, and get people to raise their hand and show interest. I mean, the biggest thing that we do is our Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. um, from there, we have a sales funnel that will capture information. I'll reach out to everyone. We try to call everyone the day that they, you know, we get their information. Two days later, three days later, we end up doing 14 calls in total. Um, it seems like overkill, but you'd be surprised how many people answer on that 10th, 11th, 12th call and actually set up the time to come in. Um, after that, um, a lot of communities will have a, um, like a pamphlet or new things or things in the community that get sent to all the new people moving into town. Um, so we'll advertise through that. And then um, we used to do a lot of community events, but we didn't really see too many people coming in through that. It was more people looking for the restaurants in town. And uh, when they saw they'd have to do a workout, they, uh, would go right next door to the whatever restaurant was handing out free samples. So not too many of those anymore. Got it. Yeah. I mean, those, there are a lot of people who love going to their community events and I think that there is, there's some value in it, but it's not measurable new member value. It's, it's good to show your face as many places as you can uh, just for, for recognition, but for things that actually drive people towards your door I very, very rarely see um, anybody get a big return on their time. Uh, even if those things cost little to no money, that's just 
you know, time is finite. There's only so much energy we have and, and going into those things um, is, is kind of tough. What I don't hear a lot of people talk about the, uh, the new move-in flyers, uh, whatever, whatever they call it in your local area. I know different places have different names for it. Um, what kind of returns have you historically seen on those? Because that's not something I know a lot of people are hitting on. How did you decide that you were going to get involved in those? And, you know, what do you, um, what do you see for growth out of that? So I can give you hard numbers on how many people come in directly from that. Um, I just don't have that in front of me right now, but I would say probably one in 10 people or anyone that we get that's new to town comes from that. You know, so many people are moving to town. They don't know what's in this town. They're looking to get started in um, anything. They're trying to find their gym. They're trying to meet new people. Um, and so if they get the opportunity to see us and we're the first gym they see, and they see it's group classes, they see all that stuff, there's a good chance that they're going to come in or set something up or at least be interested. Yeah, so it's at least significant enough that you're noticing some percentage, like you said, whether it's one out of 10 or, or one out of 12, the difference in percentage isn't a big thing, but it is significant enough that you continue to see return off of, of reaching out to those new people coming into the community. Definitely. And another benefit of it is it's a lot cheaper than all the Facebook ads we run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I want to give a little bit of color to that. As far as the town that you're in, in Delano, it's about 6,000 people, right? Yeah, 6,000 people. It's been growing quite a bit. We're about 30 minutes from the Twin Cities here in Minnesota. So it starts getting pretty rural after you get past us. I say so the next town's only like 3,000 people, so. <laughs> We're the, the last frontier, but something, you know, and, and I think for our listeners, you know if you're in a town that's growing, that has a, you know, a high population increase. So, you know, where a technique like the new move-in flyer might not work if, you're, if your city is losing people. If you yeah. know that you're in a place with a growing population, then that's probably a tactic that might be viable to, to uh to experiment with. Everything is, is trial and error. You got to know, you got to measure what kind of results are getting, but definitely something that I would recommend if you are in a growing community. Yeah. And I mean, even if you're not in a growing community, there's still people moving from one spot to the next in town and they're going to get that same flyer. Absolutely. Absolutely there. And then the last thing that you, or it was the first thing you said, but the last thing that I want to cover because it is, um, Boy, it's it's almost like uh, a bad word in the in the community of micro gyms and especially CrossFit gyms to this day. There are so many that are resistant to being, you know, doing paid advertising, being on Facebook, Instagram, whatever the platforms are. But it sounds like it's something you've embraced and had some success with. So give us a little bit of an idea of you know what your experience has been like. You know how involved you are with the with the Facebook ads and how you. Uh, use those to your advantage. So we get a lot of returns on the Facebook ads. They're not always the highest quality leads. Um, we get a lot of interaction with the stuff. Not always the people that are looking to spend, you know, $150, $160 on a membership. But we are getting in the head for reaching a lot of people. As far as how involved I am with it, I don't do much in setting up the ads or getting them out. I'll just follow up with anyone that clicks on them. 
But as far as how many people we get in our small town, I'd say we're getting 10 new leads every two weeks. So. Okay, so you're responsible for a lot of the lead nurture and the sales end of it. As far as the ad side of it, really we have two, two big camps as far as where people put their investments in ads. It's either people are doing you know, specific, you know, custom made ads with the call to action, like a, you know, a three month program or a six month program or a 90 day, or they're just taking high engaging organic posts and just boosting them and looking for interaction. Do you have one or the other that you favor or do you guys do both? We do both. Um, I see a lot of people, I see a lot more return from those 30 day, 90 day boot camp type things. We don't actually offer the 30 or 90 day boot camp, but it gets people's attention. It gets them to sign up, um, gets them wanting to come in and talk to us. The boosting um, things that we post or boosting things that members post helps a little bit, but I would say that would be more like going to your community event. It's getting your name out there, but it's not getting people to come in. It's getting people to recognize you more, but they might not reach out as quickly. Got it. Got it. And as far as your involvement goes, you know, you already gave us a little bit of a, an idea. Um, you actually have a lead nurture process, which and I think the last stat that I heard was something like 80% of businesses don't have anything in process. So you're reaching out to people always the same day, you know, whether it's calling, texting, and basically you said it's about, about two weeks of constant contact before you consider them a non-viable lead. Yeah, we go through a 14 call process. So it's pretty much a call a day for the first three days. After that, we go about every two or three days. And then the last call is about a month out. And if we don't get a response after that, we'll let that lead go. We'll leave them on, we have automated messages that will go out, automated text, emails. We'll leave them on that unless they opt out of it. But that's about when we'll stop calling people. Um, it. Takes a lot of time. I won't say we're always perfect on all the calls, um, especially when we got a lot of new leads coming in, but we try our best to stay on top of it. And we see a lot of results from it. Um, anyone that else that tries it, I really got to recommend following through as hopeless as it feels when you get to that 10th, 11th, 12th call, because you'll be really surprised how many people answer that call finally because you've been pestering for so long and they'll finally come in. Yeah, absolutely. Fortune in the follow-up is, is definitely something that is underestimated. And it's really, it seems to be almost one or the other, either you get people right away, you know, if you get them, get them while they're hot and, and they want to talk to other than that, you know, people sign up for something, they forget about it. They get busy. They don't recognize your number. You never know what somebody else is doing, right? You, you, there's a million things that we can tell ourselves about why they might not pick up. But if you don't call somebody, if you don't pick up the phone, call text, whatever you're, you're doing, you're not doing them the service that you set out to, right? You already paid for the information. They showed some interest. You just got to find the time that works for both of you. And, and hopefully you, um, like you say, you know, it's that eighth, ninth, 10th time that um, a lot of times is the charm, right? So throwing that in there, sticking to it. Um, I don't think you can highlight that enough that it's not, you know, one and done, two and done is not the way to roll when it comes to lead nurture. So 
good for you for sticking on that and realizing that there is a lot of value there. Sure, some of your best clients probably came on the 10th phone call that you had to make to them. Oh yeah, for sure. So once, once you do get somebody, you get them wrangled up and you get them in the gym, you're doing a lot of the sales consultations, the initial walkthrough tours of the facility? Yeah, so when we very first started, um, our first time in the gym for a new member was very different than what it is now. We did what a lot of CrossFits did where they'd come in, we'd put them through a baseline type workout and they'd either hate us or they'd feel so out of shape that they felt like they needed to come back every day. Um, not a lot of in between. So we've definitely toned that down. We do no sweat consults now, we call them. So we'll just be a meeting with a new lead, new person that's wanting to come in, figure out what we're about. We'll get to know them. We'll try to figure out what program we have um, that's going to fit for them the best. And from there, explain to them what's going to be the best program for them, talk to them about what they can afford, what they can't afford, and then um, try to get them to sign up that day. If they're really hesitant, we'll try letting them come to class for free. And then um, from there, if uh, they don't come back, we might call them one or two more times just to follow up. But for the most part, if you can get them in here, they're going to either sign up or not on that day. Got it. Got it. And then as far as when people come in and they do sign up, is it standard that you have people? I know you said you don't do like a 30, 60, 90 day boot camp program or anything like that. Are people just coming in and paying, you know, their first month? Are you doing multi-month programs? What's your typical sign-up look like as far as somebody who does decide that they're going to join? All right. So a typical sign-up, we used to do some longer contracts and stuff like that. We were a little too soft to hold people to them if they had something come up. So we decided it just wasn't worth it anymore. Um, everything we do is month to month. Um, as soon as they sign up, they're able to come to classes. They have the option of doing an on-ramp. Um, where we'll, they'll have a few personal training sessions just to get familiar with the movements. But for the most part, we trust our coaches to pay extra attention in those first few classes and make sure they feel comfortable. We've got a lot of members that have been here for all 12 years that know what they're doing, you know, are almost like second coaches in a class or second set of eyes in a class, even when they're working out. Um, so a lot of the people that start up, I would, just try to get them in classes as soon as possible so that they can start seeing benefits as soon as they can. Got it. And then when people do opt for, or if some people do opt for that on-ramp program, is it something you include or is it an additional service or package that they can purchase? We'll set that up as a first month membership. So it'd be a one month membership. It would include anywhere from four to eight personal training sessions, just working on skill development, um, understanding where everything is in the gym, um, addressing anything that they're having a hard time with in the class that they've been attending, because this will include those personal training sessions and then also a month of regular classes. So they'll be getting both at the same time. So you're helping to lower the barrier to entry for people that don't feel like they can just jump in with two feet, you know, regardless of how good your coaches may be, how welcoming, there are just going to be some people who are a little nervous or are a little bit uncertain and want that extra. So you're, you're 
giving them a, a little bit lower barrier to entry way to come into the facility. Yeah. Okay. And let's talk about, um, I know you have your CrossFit, um, you have some martial arts classes that you offer in the facility. How do you, you know, is that something where people are coming in on totally different paths? Are the memberships inclusive of both of those styles of training? If not, how do you differentiate? Um, so the martial arts is a lot bigger in youth. So we do Taekwondo. Um, you know, Taekwondo, most martial arts aren't that big in the adult population anymore, um, especially with more CrossFit and stuff like that coming up for people to use to get in shape. You don't see them going to kickboxing classes or Taekwondo quite as much anymore. Um, so that's really what we try to drive to the youth, especially those under 12. Um, we don't do any CrossFit offerings for kids under 12. We try to do martial arts for them just so they get better body awareness. Um, they get a little bit more of the discipline, the respect that they're going to need to follow along in a class. I mean, we've worked with a lot of hockey teams that, you know, you just feel like pulling your hair out when you're done because they just think it's like a romper room. They're running, trying to swing on the pull-up bars, seeing who can jump the most boxes, and you're trying to teach them how to do a deadlift, you know, all at the same time. So for kids to go into a youth program, we really like having them go through a Taekwondo program or something else that we do here first. Just helps with our class management, class structure. Okay, cool. So let's talk about um, some other things that we see popping up in different aspects of the industry, different things that people are using uh, for revenue streams. Now you do offer personal training in your facility also, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So what percentage of your clientele base would you say is, you know, taking advantage of personal training? And is that something um, that you want to be a primary, uh, a focus, something that you want to grow? Where do you stand as far as the personal training avenue? So personal training is 4% of our memberships, but it's our most expensive membership. So it is a great one to have. The only limiting thing that we have on that is the amount of coaches that we can have working with someone one-on-one. -on -one. If a coach is working with someone one-on-one, -on -one, they can't be working with the full class. So we'd like to see our personal training grow, but it's very hard to find those clients that have time availability outside of our class times. Yeah, they can sometimes cannibalize one each other and it's, it's mm -hmm. a fine line between are you taking people from your group membership to get them into personal training or as you say with, with coaches, it's a tough thing to scale. Um, you know, if coaches are only doing one-on-one, -on -one, uh, if they don't get into one-on-twos, one-on-threes, which is then more semi-private than personal training, it is finite, right? And the amount of coaches that you have is also finite. So there's really a, a balance there, but it is good that you you offer it. It's something because we know there's a certain amount of people that want that extra attention, want that skill development. So offering it, I think, puts you a foot forward anyway uh, versus just not having it all. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So what about other, other things for a lot of gyms in your similar space, you know, other offerings start to look like online training, nutrition, coaching, uh, supplement sales, uh, different, different kind of specialized programs. Are you 
using any of those for additional revenue streams or working on any of those to add in? Yeah, we work with um, a few different supplement companies that we'll distribute for here. They're not a huge driver um, by any means in what we make, but they do help. Um, it's really good when you got members that are looking for something to have it right there. But I won't say that it's going to stop them from going to GNC and getting their own protein because it's a little cheaper than what we sell. Um, we always try to keep apparel, you know, different shirts, different um, shaker bottles, things like that, that um, we'll try to sell. It's really good, especially the shirts. People will always wear those out in the community. More people will see it. That's awesome. Um, and then we are a CrossFit gym. So twice a year, we'll host a competition. Um, a lot of the CrossFits out here do that. Years past, we had awesome turnouts with it. Um, since COVID, we've seen a lot slower sign up for it. I don't know if it's people worried about too many people being in space, if they're worried if they sign up, they won't get refunded if they get sick or what's really going on right now. But years past, we'd have 80 teens sign up. When, yeah, we had some big competitions that sell out in a month. This year, we've been marketing for our February competition for the last three months, and we only have 20 teams signed up. Last time we hosted it in 2019, before the shutdowns, we uh, had 80 teams signed up by December. So, you know, a little bit slower there, trying to figure out what's going on and how to fix it. I'm still working on it, and hopefully we can get a solution to it. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um... As far as the COVID thing goes, and it's, you know, not something anybody really wants to talk about, but we still get tons of questions on it. So the basics that I always like to cover are, you know, how long, you know, were you shut down for, you know, how many times were there any big adjustments that you made um, during shutdowns and has anything come out of it that's changed the way you do business now? So two big, um, we had two shutdowns. The first shutdown was a long one. At that point, we had, I'd say, 90 members that were doing CrossFit. So we weren't able to loan up too much equipment. We immediately started having sign-out sheets, letting people borrow a kettlebell, a barbell, something like that, but they'd have to sign out. Um, they could rent a rower or an assault bike. That helped cover some of the you know, losses and memberships and stuff like that. After that, I think that was about a four month lockdown. We were open for the summer, so about three months. And then we got shut down again for another three. Ooh. By the second shutdown, we were down to less than 30 CrossFit members. So we had enough barbells and plates to send everyone home with their own barbell and 200 pounds worth of plates, whatever kettlebells they wanted, dumbbells. So the second shutdown, we didn't lose nearly as many people, but you know, we were still down to less than 50% of what we were. Yeah. Since then, we had a lot of people that came back. The first thing we decided we were going to do is raise our rates. Not a lot, just about $10, um, $5 on some memberships. Um, and anyone that stuck with us got to keep their old rate. And anyone that was going to come back after the shutdown, we're going to be paying the new rates. Makes it was sense. just a way to kind of give back to our members that helped us stay open, then also to kind of regain some of the losses that we had from the shutdowns. Yeah, 
Gotcha. Yeah, there was definitely no playbook. There was no no rule book to uh, to what to do, how to survive a, a global pandemic and multiple shutdowns. But it sounds like you guys, you know, you made the best of it. You you did what you could. I think the loaning out of equipment for a lot of times still keeps that tie, that reminder of you know being part of the community and and you know sounds like you're you're on the way to rebounding anyway to back towards where you were before and and hopefully far beyond that. Um, so I do want to talk about that a little bit um, with the time that we have left. Uh, what are you know 12, 18, 24 month goals for the gym? What are the the big things that you're shooting for in the next year or two? So our two big goals right now is trying to get our CrossFit membership back to where it was. Right now we're sitting around 43 CrossFit members versus the nearly 90 we had before. Um, so we've been trying to do a lot more marketing there, trying to steer more people into those kind of memberships when they do come in for their consults. And then our second goal, we've got a very big youth program right now. We're sitting around 20 kids and we only offer one class time a day for them. We're trying to get it up to 30 kids because we have two coaches in that class. Um, we're trying to get that up to 30 kids and get it to a point where kids actually have to come in and interview. So we can start getting more high level athletes in that we can steer towards individual design, um, personal training, things like that. Awesome. And then for you personally, um, as you, you know, have been in the business, you know, basically since I think you said since you're in high school, you've been involved and, you know, you have a big involvement in the day-to-day -day operations. Now, uh, what are your biggest areas that you're looking to grow as far as skill set, you know, entrepreneurship, management, things like that? Uh, what are your next big kind of dragons to slay, skills to acquire? Where do you want to be in the next year or two? Um, I personally am terrible with technology. So trying to get a little bit better at doing some of the Facebook um, ads, not relying so much on, um, you know, marketing companies to do so much of it, um, being a little bit more savvy with um, setting up automations. We do a good job now, but I think there's still room to grow in that. And then also trying to figure out some better coach development skills, um, you know, getting a better plan for how to develop some of our coaches. A lot of them are just part-time. So trying to figure out a way to get them to want to develop more and be able to help out with more things and not just their one class per week, figure out what we can do to make them the best. Got it. Got it. So, so some development for you in helping you um, personally with some of the things you want to do, but also helping to, to grow your team and, and make them uh, more valuable to the business, to the clients. Mm -hmm. Especially to the clients. Fantastic, sir. So last question that I'm going to ask you before we get all your uh, all the social media and all the places we can find you is uh, for the time that you've been involved in the business, everything that you've done, if there was um, a piece of entrepreneurial advice that you could give to your younger self or somebody out there listening, whether they're thinking about getting in the business or they're already in it, whatever the case may be, you know, one thing that you think served you the best, what would you say that's been? Okay, that's a uh... That's a big yeah. question. It, it um, is. There's no wrong answers, right? It could be one, one thing, two things, you know, that, that you just kind of keep in your back pocket that you think serve you the best. I'd 
I have to say, make sure you're going to commit yourself to it 100% when you start. You go in halfway, three quarters of the way, you're not going to get a quick return. You're not going to build to a place where you're comfortable anytime fast. Um, you know, you can't serve two masters if you're running a business and doing another job on the side. You got to get yourself to a place where you can be fully committed to it for multiple years before you're going to see a return or else there's not a very good chance you're going to make it. I'd say that's pretty wise advice, sir. Be, be all in and be in it for the long haul or figure out something else that, to put your effort into. Definitely. Awesome, man. All right. Before I let you go, if people want to find you, they want to find Crow River CrossFit, uh, whether it's gym owners that want to reach out, people who, you know, who are looking for a gym in your area or any other reason they want to find you, what are the, what are the places they can find you online? Um, we'll be, we have our website, CrowRiverCrossFit.com. We're on Facebook, um, Crow River CrossFit, and then also on Instagram. It's a pretty easy name to get locked in on all those places. <laughs> That's it. And lock down all the, all the social media handles. Good stuff, man. Well, I appreciate you being on with us. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to be here. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, and thanks for having me on. You are very welcome, sir. And to everyone out there listening, as always, we appreciate your time. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. We hope you found value in this episode. If you'd like to hear more, hit the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. If you want to be on the show, click the link in the description, fill out the form. Someone from the team will get in touch with you ASAP. To everyone out there in Jim Ward's Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives, keep kicking ass. Jim Ward's out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Words podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I'm here with Mike from Mike Stauber Fitness in California. What's up, Mike? How are you today? Good morning, Bree. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it. All right. So let's jump right into the details here. How did we get started? What made you want to start your own personal training business? What made you want to own your own business? Yeah, so um, I grew up from a family. My dad was an entrepreneur, and so I knew from the beginning that that was kind of going to be my career path. And in college, I had a couple bad bosses, which really enforced opening my own business. Yes. Um, I ended up 
um, becoming a personal trainer and working out of a small studio where I was solely responsible for finding my own clients. The gym didn't really help out with that side of things. Mm -hmm. And so I really was running my own business from day one. And so with that, um, the started growing, started growing over the years. And I was going for about five years up until COVID. And just before COVID kind of hit, I started looking at trying to open my own gym because the current gym owner that I was working under um, was having some legal troubles and it was kind of having backlash on the rest of us trainers working out of the gym. And so it became time to almost get forced into opening my own gym. Um, So I was looking to open up my own spot um, for about um, six or eight months up until COVID hit. Um, hope, thank God it didn't happen because that would have been bad, but, um, here we are. So day one, when, um, they announced the shutdowns, um, it was a Tuesday, um, shutdowns were happening on Wednesday, Tuesday night. I ran over to my parents' house. I had a squat rack barbell and some weights. I took it over to my house that I had bought two months ago and I turned my garage into a gym um, went to a local horse horse uh, center and bought some gym flooring or horse stall mats. Yeah. And um, I started with a squat rack, and then just like everybody else trying to get a gym equipment during COVID, I've slowly acquired more, and now um, my whole uh, garage is converted into a gym that I run personal training clients through um, all day long now. That's crazy. It's almost like it happened kind of like in the best way possible for you. You know, it's like you were able to maintain your clients because you were able to convert your garage into a gym for yourself, essentially. So it's like, you still got little to no overhead. You were still able to maintain your clients, still able to serve people uh, and not have to work under anyone either. So that's pretty good. (laughs) Exactly. That's awesome. Okay. So now Fast forward to today, what does your business model look like? Are we doing all one-on-one sessions, mostly one-on-ones? Are we doing groups, any semi-privates? Kind of walk us through that. What's that looking like? So yeah, so I have one bootcamp class at five in the morning. Um, I still run it out of that facility, the gym that I used to be at full time. Mm -hmm. Um, Out of my garage, it's about 300 square feet. It's just not big enough to run a class out of. Right. So I pay the gym owner uh, rent. I have about 15 people that show up to to that um, every day. And then I have 15 minutes to get from there to my house. And then I have clients from 6 a.m. off and on throughout the day until about eight o'clock at night, Um, usually about 12 hours a a day of one-on-one clients. Okay. We kind of got there because before COVID, Um, working in the facility, I was about 25, 30 hours a week Mm -hmm. and all the other trainers at the gym, they'd been there longer than me. They're like, Oh, this is, this is the dream setup. Like when you hit 30 hours, like that's it, like you're good. And, um, and then once I opened up my, my garage gym, people love the fact that there was nobody else in the gym staring or judging. And they, it was one of those things that you never thought about. You knew people kind of felt self-conscious, but by uh, completely eliminating other people from the scenario, people loved it. And they started 
um, referring more people and more people started hearing about this guy who was still working out during COVID when you really right. weren't supposed to. <laughs> and so it, it kind of grew and, and now uh, I'm to the point where I have about 60 hours of one-on-one -on -one clients in a week. Okay. Awesome. That's good. Good for you to be able to build it up, especially during that time, obviously crazy time and very limited as far as what you could do. Um, now, was that all through word of mouth as far as marketing goes? Were you getting the word out there about what it was that you were doing? I know probably not in the beginning when you weren't really supposed to be training people, probably not so much, but um, you know, as things started to open up more, are you getting the word out there through social media at all? How are you kind of acquiring new clients? So over the years, I've tried a bunch of different things, like people have done flyers, um, social media advertisements on Instagram, Facebook, mm -hmm. and I never really got a ton of success from that stuff. It was always, you need to throw more money at it so you can figure out what didn't work and what did work. And as um, a small time personal trainer, I didn't really want to invest that kind of money to figure right. out what does and doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And so I started figuring out, well, I don't really want to compete in the Instagram, Facebook world. There's so many trainers and gyms that are constantly pumping out content. They have professionals running all of that stuff for them. They already have it narrowed in. What can I do locally to just get my name out there to the community around me? And so I started doing more things of, um, I gave a business card to all of my clients and on the back of it, um, was two free training sessions. And so I just donated my time. Uh, my clients would give those to a friend, family member. They would come in. Some stuck with me, some didn't. Um, the only thing I was at loss of was some time. But at the same time, I wasn't working a ton because I did take a step back when COVID first broke out. Right. And so it that started generating more people. Some stuck, some didn't. Um, and then I started doing more things like bring a friend week every once a quarter where someone might bring a friend, the friend either, um, uh, might break off and train on their own after that. They might stick around and I can charge more per session, mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing. And then for the advertising in the community, I started doing things like, um, supporting local little league teams and sponsoring teams. Um, and then uh, going above and beyond with that. So um, finding out what team was actually mine, going to visit them and giving all of the kids baseball cards, like that extra little personal touch is the thing that they're going to remember. Their parents are going to be like, oh, that's the guy that was our sponsor, that kind of thing. Um, I also help out with a local service organization, the local 2030 club. It's kind of like Rotary uh, for people in their 20s and 30s. Mm -hmm. And that's another way of getting my name out there. They throw events. I often sponsor those kind of things. I'm in a networking group called um, BNI. It's Business Networking International, and they have local chapters in our area. And I, um, and it's one person of that profession in each chapter. So I'm the only personal trainer in the chapter. And so with that, when I have 30, 40 people in this chapter, when any of those professionals or their friends or anybody they know wants a personal trainer, I'm their direct referral source. Okay. Yeah. So lots of different uh, ways to kind of get out there, get involved in the community and make yourself 
known for sure, aside yeah. from, you know, your typical social media. So that's great as far as kind of where you are now within the business. And it sounds like you've got a pretty good solid foundation for uh, what you're doing right now. Yeah. Um, and now as you, so you talked a little bit about transitioning into a brick and mortar facility. So what is the timeline on that? What are you working on right now to work toward that goal? Yeah. So be before, when I said I was trying to do it before COVID, I had a couple um, trainers that were going to do it with me and we were going to be business partners. Mm -hmm. And then since COVID, they all opened their own garage gyms at the same uh -huh. time and not necessarily my area, but within like 20, 30 minutes of me. Yeah. And so we've all kind of spread out, gone our different ways. And I, when it looked like things were starting to open up last year before the di different variants, I reached out to um, a business uh, loan company about getting a loan and starting a gym. And they basically said, no, not until COVID's over. And so since then, it was almost a blessing in disguise because with the business growing, I don't even need a loan anymore. I'm to the point where I have a savings account built up that it's just, it's time to go when I find the place. Right. Um, but one of the things I'm struggling with right now is actually finding a building um, yeah. that I kind of want in our area. It's about $2 a square foot to, to find a, or what buildings start at. And it, there's just nothing really available. I keep waiting for everybody to say, oh, businesses are shutting down from COVID, but the buildings aren't showing up on any of the, the sites or anything yet. So right. we'll, we'll get there once we, we find the right building. And once that pops up, we're ready to go. We're just kind of waiting on that side of things. Yeah, absolutely. I know that uh, space is hard to find right now. And uh, there are some other gym owners that I've been speaking with over the last few months or so that are either looking to actually expand their locations, looking for a larger facility or looking to open a second or whatever it might be. And they're having trouble either one, finding the space and then two, with the landlords wanting to actually rent to gyms. Because I think that they're a little bit nervous now because of the last two years or so. It's been obviously a crazy ride in the industry. So they're running into that as well. Have you run into that at all? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I've specifically, they're like, oh, what, what are you for? And then the realtor just straight up, nope, we're not looking for that to hang up on me. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's been tough. Wow. <laughs> they're like not even giving you the time of day. No. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Okay, so now within the business right now, so the clientele base that you have, are you looking to add to that before going into the facility or are you kind of maxed out as far as the amount of people you can train right now? Yeah, so as of right now, um, as of this week, I took my first person on a waiting list. So I hit like the 60 hours of one-on-ones and I'm like, okay, that's it. So um, I have a person on a waiting list now, and now it's time to either, I've been talking to my clients, see who's open to maybe having someone join them. And then I can train two people at once and turn a one-on-one -on -one session into a two-on-one -on -one session where I can drive the price up a little bit. Um, and it's cheaper per person for them personally. Right. Um, but yeah, so now it's, it's going to be opening that facility to where I can have 
other trainers working and I can start feeding them maybe some of my referrals or leveraging the gym and feeding them that way and they can start paying rent to me and expanding that way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Those were actually my two follow-up questions regarding that. So one being switching things if possible to like a semi-private model just so that you can serve more people. Like you said, charge a little bit more and then um you know, still be able to grow in, in the circumstance that you are in right now. So yeah, I mean, that's definitely a, a good possibility. And then also, like you said, possibly bringing on another trainer. Um, so definitely two, two areas that you could go into to be able to continue to grow before actually transitioning into that facility. Now, with growth on the mind, is there or are there rather any other services that you're offering within the facility to the clients that you have as far as like fitness, nutrition, um, fitness, obviously, I mean, nutrition, accountability, anything of that nature to kind of upsell into or gain additional revenue, provide a higher level of service for the clients that you have? Um, yeah, so right now I'm in the middle of a weight loss challenge. Um, okay. So um, about half of my clientele join this weight loss challenge. Um, I've done weight loss challenges in the past. It's a great way, one, for um, to get new people yes. because, oh, it's $100. I just joined this weight loss challenge. They tell their spouse, they tell their friend, oh, can I get in on it? And so it's a great way of getting other people involved. And one thing that people have really, I did this one different than ones I've done in the past. Um, because a lot of my clients, um, they, they told me they knew what to do. They just needed the motivation to do it. Yeah. And so at the same time, I was just getting ready to start my weight loss for summer. Mm -hmm. And so I'm doing a, a challenge them versus me. Um, oh, there so, you go. so it, body fat percentage, if they beat me, they get, um, what they put into the challenge double back. If they lose to me, they get nothing back. And wow. so it's it's really built this fun rivalry between the clients and me. And the clients are um, really going at it and bonding about trying to take me down. And right. oh, we're going to start door dashing them dinner and stuff. I was just going to say, <laughs> showing up to their sessions with like cupcakes and cookies. And right. <laughs> and one of the other things I've done is I've thrown my own 5Ks, um, kind of smaller, mostly for my clientele, um, being able to host runs around my neighborhood through a park and then donating some of those profits. So the organization that's getting the profit, some people might come from that. Some of my clients, some of my clients might have friends or spouses that come along to those kind of things. Um, I have a mini fridge with protein shakes and waters. Um, that people can buy. Um, okay. So just normal things that gyms do. I just do it on a little bit smaller scale. Right. Yeah, exactly. As soon as you said like uh, a mini fridge with the drinks and stuff, I, I, that's exactly what I thought of. Like you're basically running the whole operation just like on a smaller scale. Exactly. So good for you. That's awesome. When you move into the facility, you can just blow it up to, to full size. Right. So, that's awesome. Okay. And now um, I should have asked about this before when we were talking about the members and membership and whatnot. So 
how do you structure your membership? How are your clients paying for their services? Are they purchasing packages? Are they on a monthly reoccurring membership? What does that look like? Yeah. So um, one of the things when I first became a trainer at the gym that I was at, the, the owner said, um, try to stay away from packages. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, like I didn't really understand the owner just said that. And then it kind of hit me because I had a couple people like, oh, if I pay you for three months up front, um, will you give me like two weeks free or something like that? And I was like, you know what? Like, sure, let's do it. And what I found is that specific client tends to be a little bit more of a pain. Yes. And it, I found that I, the few times I did that, it got locked into a situation where it just was like, it wasn't the right click. Like it was, th that was the client that was coming in that you weren't looking forward to that session mm -hmm. and it felt like a job. And so I got completely away from packages. Now clients just pay, um, kind of per session. So I have, um, clients that either pay me, um, by the week, bi-weekly or by month or by, or the monthly. And okay. I don't, I don't have them locked in on anything. Um, and they, they pay me based on whatever they set up. And I just ask that they pay me at the same schedule. So I know when I'd get paid yeah. and it's not an auto billing. It's just Venmo cash, um, card, um, that kind of thing. Okay. So now when you transition into the facility, will you do a monthly reoccurring membership to simplify things? I, th I think for my gym members for classes and those kind of things. Yes. But for my one-on-one -on -one personal training clients that I'm keeping, I'll probably keep the same structure. Um, but for anybody that's doing classes that will get transferred into automated with a cancellation policy and a, uh, one-year contract or that kind of thing. But for one-on-one -on -one clients with it being so personal, um, things pop up in life that that is a little more lenient with just people can come and go, um, as life happens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, as, as you start to scale even more, I mean, even where you are now having 60 sessions a week, like that's a lot to keep up with, you yes. know, like that's a lot to keep track of and, you know, make sure everybody's up to date on and reschedule people and, you know, move things around, whatever, whatever it is that you have to do on a daily basis. So as you start to grow and scale, definitely getting some systems in place where things are on a, a monthly reoccurring basis. And you don't have to necessarily worry about those things. Or the thing for me was always like, I don't want to have to necessarily sell someone every single month on a new membership. You know, it's like, it's, it's better if they, you sell them one time a year, as opposed to 12 times a year. Um, now, obviously everybody's always like, well, I want to make sure the level of service is there. That should be a given, you know, it's like the level of service should remain the same, whether they're here for a day or they're here for 10 years, you know? Yeah. So that is an aspect that obviously should never change, but just from like a business standpoint and a simplicity standpoint, it's so much easier to have at least some of those memberships on a reoccurring basis, even to, to provide that solid foundation for the business itself, that reliable income that you can, that's pretty much guaranteed on a monthly basis. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. 
All right, cool. So now, um, what are your main focuses over the next few months or so, even the next year, as far as making this transition and getting into the facility? Where are you directing most of your time and energy? So, so now that I'm to where I'm at personally, um, and I'm starting to look at buildings uh, again, now that COVID's kind of settling down, it looks like, mm -hmm. um, I need to start connecting with trainers who, so when I find that building, I have the trainers ready yeah. to kind of roll. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of trainers have started building garage gyms and they're kind of doing similar things to what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so, I think the struggle now is going to be finding trainers who are really willing to pay rent again to work out of a facility versus no rent and working out of their garages. Mm -hmm. um, so building those connections with trainers in the area is what my focus is gearing towards now. Right. Okay. And have you considered like partnering up with any of them is any are there any of them that are like kind of close to you as far as like potentially partnering up and kind of going in on it together i know partnerships are like are questionable you know sometimes they work sometimes they don't work but um in in getting started is that something that you're considering or you're just wanting to do it like 100 on your own so yeah, so I said before COVID, I had a couple of the other trainers that I was looking to go into right. uh, it with. And once once things started to get tough, they kind of backed out a little bit after we put in offers to two or three buildings. And they're like, hey, maybe right now is just not the right time. And then like a month or two later is when COVID hit. And it kind of made me realize that not everybody has the same drive that I have. And so that kind of, made me think like, nope, this is just going to be my thing. I'm going to drive it. Yeah. Um, I just need the people in the facility who are going to be able to be great coaches. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely don't blame you there. Um, you're right. I mean, a lot of people don't have that drive, you know, and a lot of people aren't motivated in the, in the same ways. And sometimes it can be easier to just kind of go, go it alone and figure it out as you go and not have to, um, you know, agree with somebody else on exactly where you're going and what you're doing and what growth looks like and, and all of those things. So yeah, absolutely. Okay. So now one thing that I always love to ask every gym owner, every personal trainer that I speak with. So, I mean, you're, you've basically started your own gym in your garage, like we said before, just like doing everything on a smaller scale to fit the garage. So what is a piece of advice that you would provide to somebody who is considering going their own way, doing their own thing, starting their own business? What would you say is probably the number one thing that you've learned thus far? I would try to minimize your focus on social media and try to make more of a presence locally. I think a lot of people just think if they can build that brand online, that it will translate into clients. But because online is so wide and you can have people from Northern California, Southern California, New York, all chiming into your page, that's great. You can have thousands of followers, but unless those people are local, they're not going to be coming into your gym. And so I think maybe pumping that content, but not necessarily having that be your whole entire marketing plan 
but mm-hmm. doing more things locally is what I think has really been the key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As long as, you know, there are ways to target the advertising so that you're not, you know, out of range for it to be reasonable for people to even come into the facility. And you're right. That happens a lot. You know, it's like you start running ads and you're like, oh my gosh, all these people are seeing my ad, but it's like they're 200 miles away and they will never step foot in your facility. Right. So it's like, You have to make sure if you are doing that, that you are targeting properly and speaking to the right people. Exactly. Because yeah, you can get into a situation where, you know, sometimes if you don't pay attention to it, it ends up like running for the entire United States. (laughs) And then you get into a situation, you're like, wait, all of my money's gone. Like they spent all of my money and you're like, oh, well, I didn't get anybody coming in the door and I wonder why. And then you figure it out later. Um, but you can target it specifically to zip codes. That's what I used to do. It was just target zip codes and then only the ones that made sense to get people that actually would be reasonable to come in the doors. Um, but yeah, I mean, especially when you're first starting off, it doesn't make sense to do that. It doesn't make sense to spend money on advertising before you even have any money in the bank you know it's like we got to get people in the doors that are local in organic ways first build a solid foundation and then once we grow and expand and get a little bit larger have some money in the bank then look at the next steps as far as uh advertising goes and expanding and growth so absolutely all right awesome so now as we start to wrap up here where can the listeners find you on social media yeah, they can find me on Instagram, um, Mike Stauber, um, just at Mike Stauber, or my website, MikeStauberFitness.com. All righty, perfect. So Mike from Mike Stauber Fitness in California, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been so great having you on the show. Thank you. Absolutely. And to all of the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lord out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.